Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. Tonight we will go back in time to seasons past, when 22 men graced the rugged fields of yesterday, fighting for one more first down, one more yard game, one final score which would bring victory after 60 minutes of battle on the gridiron. Tonight we will explore the world of gridiron greats, football history and its memorabilia on the gridiron greats. Publishing Broadcasting Network, in conjunction with Swick Enterprises. We're live from the Wallingford, Connecticut home of Gridiron Greats Magazine. And I'm Bob Swick, publisher and editor of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'll be your host for the show. Gridiron Greats Magazine is the only publication in America which focuses upon the history and memorabilia of the North American football game since its inception in 1869. We cover 140-plus years of football history and memorabilia. You can find us on the web at www.gridirongreatsmagazine.com. Our podcast is brought to you by and sponsored by MSB Sports Cards. Check out their website for one of the largest selections of vintage football cards and memorabilia on the web at msbsportscards.com. And we're also sponsored by BST Auctions. Check out their website and some incredible auctions that took place last night at bsdauctions.com. Substituting for our normal co-host, Joe Squires, who's traveling today, I'd like to introduce my guest co-host. He's the director of art and illustration for Gridiron Greats Magazine, and he's also a senior contributing writer to the magazine. He's written many, many articles for us over the years, including some great pieces with legend Green Bay Packer, Forrest Gray. He hails from Winter Haven, Florida, Mr. Jared Krause. Jared, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me back, Captain. It's good to be here. Uh, wasn't really, uh, I hadn't talked to Joe about what you do and as his replacement. I know that I'm supposed to mention Steve Largent three or four times, though, so I'll, I'll try and get that out of the way as, as we go. All right, so we got one down. We got three one more down. to go. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, before we get started about a, a couple of points we were going to talk about, uh, I was watching last night PSD Auctions closing uh, for several of the pieces of Mike Blaisdell's collection. For our regular listeners, we know uh, they know Mike was on our podcast, and uh, he talked a little bit about selling his collection, whatever. You got any comments and thoughts about uh, where a few of those pieces landed last night? I'm very happy with some of the results. Um, you know, we had a chance. You know, I had interviewed Mike uh, for Gridiron Greats in the previous issue, and uh, just very 
uh, very down to earth and but and and so humble and had just this amazing collection. And uh, I mm-hmm. think some of the one, one of the kind pieces I was thrilled to see uh, the prices that were realized. And, and fortunately, I think the collectors that wound up getting them understood that this is kind of a once-in-a-lifetime deal. Either get it now or you're not going to have a chance down the road, meaning some of the Overland rappers with Bruce Smith and, and Sammy Baugh and then some really cool um, things that, that caught my attention were the, were the blotters, 3940 mm-hmm. blotters with Red Range and, and, uh, and uh, the Gipper. Uh, win one for the Gipper, and um, mm-hmm. very, very impressive. Go ahead. The the one thing, or uh, the one item I was um, exceptionally uh, interested in seeing, and I was kind of blown away. Actually, two two areas I was kind of blown away by. Looking at the 1894 Mayos, where they ended up, and also looking at uh, a small grouping of Walker cleaners that were offered. On, on the uh, auction, and it just goes to to prove to me that a there is still a demand for many of these items, and b the knowledge of the items I think is driving some of the collectors back into the market to bid on them and to buy the items. You have any thoughts on that? I, I think you're absolutely right, and and fortunately we're we're getting that kind of exposure because my personal opinion is that the NFL doesn't do a real good job of embracing its history the way, say, Major League Baseball does. And so when you mm-hmm. see these incredibly vintage, I know obviously that the Packers are a little different than the Mayos because the Mayos were college guys, but uh, uh, the uh, Walker's Cleaners were, were fabulous. And something that, that uh, I want to add to that that's near and dear to your heart were the 61 Lake-to-Lake Packers that had some incredible mm-hmm. bidding on them and, and a lot of interest and, and uh Really saw some some strong, healthy bids and, and and good good prices on those. So very very happy with all of those. You know those three in particular: the Walker's Cleaners and the, the Mayo's and the it, it was it was very interesting to me. And again, touching upon one area you, you've stated before, I've always maintained that I know a lot of people agree with me. The NFL really wants people to believe that the NFL history began in 1970 when the AFL and the NFL merged. And I'm not trying to pass any conspiracy theories here or, or, or what or whatnot, but you know I really feel like it, feel that because a they really don't do any justice to the American Football League, and there was a lot of great American Football League items um, in that auction last night, and some very strong prices on several items in that also. And you know, again, USFL, USFL World Football League also. You know, they they don't want anything to do with them. And, and it, it is part of the history of football, whether they want to, you know, believe it or not. But I do agree with what you're saying with regards to the hammering of, you know, real early, especially, you know, realistically 1919 to 1946 history, and then take it from right after World War II, 46, with the AAFC, All-American yep. Football Conference, right up to 1969, the American Football League. You know, it's 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 basically, you know, it's gone. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you mentioned the AAFC, and when you look at, oh, the NFL at the time had thought that they were such a bigger and better league. Well, look what happened when the Browns played the Eagles that first time. You know, right. it was supposed to be right. a cakewalk for the Eagles, and, and guess what? Otto Graham and Lou Groza and, and Paul Brown and, and Dante LaBelle and those guys have something to say about that. And they were good players and, and you know, went to – Continued to, to dominate when they when they did enter the NFL. So 
it's, right. it's unfortunate right. that they, you know, we, we talk about well, how many Super Bowl things. We don't talk about how many championships the Bears have won. It's just the, the 85 Bears is all there is. And, you know, your team, right. the, the, being the Packers as well, you get, oh, they won Super Bowl one and Super Bowl Super Bowl one and two are the last of five championships right. that right. they won in seven years. You know, what happened to the last of the – the, the first three there, you know, that people don't don't uh, realize, and and the NFL had 50 years of good football before the first Super Bowl, so you know, right. while they put the the X L L I I V, you know, whatever the Roman numerals are, there was a lot of good right. football that played before Super Bowl one or in a AFL right. NFL World Championship one. I guess it wasn't the Super Bowl for a couple of years after that. Um, right, right. Anyway, get, getting back to the auction, some some great stuff had had gone on. There were some some good Double AFC programs. You know, forty six championship mm-hmm. program that that featured the Browns and and uh, so it's it good to see some of that vintage stuff out there and and that people are becoming aware of it and, and that it's getting uh, a little exposure and hopefully you know as the NFL what are we two three years from from a hundred. The NFL being 100 years old, hopefully we'll start seeing some more mm-hmm. uh, people that, that embrace the history, and it'll start some conversations like this, and uh, have a chance to to give it some exposure. And and uh, for those people that are collecting that stuff now, good on you because I got a feeling that you know as as the exposure gets it's gonna out really there, take off. Yep. It, it, how how can it not? How can it not? Right. And, you know, it's interesting. Next year, the National Sports Collectors Convention is going to be back in Cleveland. And I found it very interesting setting up there uh, that basically all my items I brought from the AAFC for the Browns went, and they went rather quickly. And the prices of them were very, very fair, in my opinion, one way or the other. And I really um, was not in any way, shape, or form um, surprised by the prices I got on. I had a lot of uh, AAFC ticket stubs that I brought there. And I had mm-hmm. one gentleman who, who basically told me he attended a lot of those games uh, as a kid and he wanted to rebuy those memories. And uh, pretty interesting. Very, he, he was really, very, very uh, uh, learned about those games. He still remembered them. He could basically tell me some of the plays for crying out loud that was going on. So I was happy to see that he got them. And I had a handful of AAFC programs at the same time. And he, and he, him and a couple other people ended up buying them. So it was pretty interesting. Well, I'm going to move over a little about what we were going to talk about. Um, Jared, as many people don't may or may not know, is uh, basically Brenda, my wife, and I right hand with this magazine. And he illustrates our front covers. He's been doing it for quite a while now. And just to give the folks out there some idea as far as how we put the magazine together, uh, we plan out four issues a year, and we have a lot of um, planning to do in the beginning of the year with regards to how we set up each issue. Normally our summer issues, the national convention issue, and we try to theme it toward where it's going to be located. The other issues are basically, uh, as you can see, for many people who have read the magazine for a while, there's a lot of similar columns uh, with regards to what we have there, uh, with regards to, uh, for example, in the huddle, uh, which was started with Forrest Gregg, we have a ring column, uh, Martin Jacobs writes a lot about uh, older 
San Francisco 49ers players and the AFC and the like. So we have a lot of different uh, – Kerry Laven with the Heisman um, column, his Heisman column. So we have a lot of a lot of, of columns that are, are there or article types that are there every, every issue. And then we have other features that come in and out and, and so on and so forth. So for the cover, Brenda and I kind of talk about with the articles we have, what we like to see, so on and so forth. And I, I send you – I send Jared a um, – couple ideas with regards to the cop with the cover so on and so forth and then you get back to me with two or three different uh variations what what goes on in your mind when you're putting the, those covers together well we as you said we kind of get a list of articles that are going to be featured now some of the things we we know like you said uh, carrie does the heisen ballad and and you know we try and have in the, in the huddle of force great feature and we kind of know that martin's going to do a niners and and uh, Dr. Robinson will do the, the Ohio State stuff for us very frequently, and you've got Packer things. And But when it gets to me, it becomes, okay, what do we have and what can we feature? Um, great point would be, the, the you know, our previous issue with we had Mike Blaisdell as, as a super collector, and since that, that's a feature that we, you know, continue to have, I always try to feature something from their collection on the cover simply because, hey, they've taken the time to, to allow us into their – personal collection, if you will, tell us their story. And so it's always nice to feature something of theirs on the cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally a, a, an accentuating piece to, to another article maybe, but uh, in Mike's case, it was like, you know, we he's got such an unbelievable mm-hmm. collection. I don't think, you know, the things that he and I discussed were even scratched the surface and maybe how deep it goes. But, uh, you know, for, for his case, I, I wanted to put that Sammy Baugh on there just because of the scarcity. You know, a it's it's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. B it's maybe one of a kind issue. So it, you know, you just go. This is something we really need to to get some exposure for. As we were mentioning earlier in the show, that uh, you know, some of the the pre Super Bowl history out there. Well, this is one of those guys that that you know would would equate certainly to a Lou Gehrig or something if we were talking about baseball. This mm-hmm. is one of that that caliber of guys. So, um, but. Uh, when when we get to the get to the cover, you know, Blaisdell stuff aside, it's it's trying to feature something that that uh, is gonna. We're we're men, we're visual creatures, so we, I want to bring something to your attention, something that's gonna make. Oh, that's interesting, just from the cover. I'm already hooked. I want to see what what that's about. And, and uh, you know, we've mm-hmm. done uh, various illustrations. I've done drawings, but uh, it's trying to find it. An, an image that we either we haven't seen before, we haven't seen in a long time, or maybe it's it's featured in a different way that that makes us take a second look and become interested in you know what's going to be uh, in the pages and, and, and in the article. So um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's kind of where it starts. It's no, just an idea based on based on the articles we have. You know what can we do to to feature or highlight something that we're going to talk about in the magazine. And we we've gotten many nice compliments of your covers over the years too. There there were some um very, very classic covers. I know the, the national one you did a couple of years ago, which just had the Bears helmet there, uh was <laughs> phenomenal. I had a lot of people yeah. pick it up and um never never saw the magazine before, never heard of it, so on and so forth, and they ended up uh, subscribing to it. So it was pretty cool. The other Good. point um that I'd like to talk briefly about and I, I'm sure our listeners would love to hear the story with regards to uh, you started several issues ago uh, 
uh, with an interview, initial interview with uh, Packer legend Forrest Gregg. Tell us about uh, how that came about and um, some of your discussions with him. Oh, that's just such a, an incredible story. A friend of mine is a physician's assistant, and he had sent me a photograph. He said, Jared, this is me and my patient. And he said, you know, I'm not breaking HIPAA regulations. He gave me authorization to send this. So, but it was a picture of him and Forrest Gregg. And so he used to play for the Packers. Well, yeah, I, I know that. But when he said Forrest Gregg, my first thought was, well, you know, as I was learning to love football as a, as a young Kid, he was coaching the Bengals. Now he they took went to the mm-hmm. Super Bowl and played against the Forty ers and and so I had replied to my friend, "Look, you know, I write for Gridiron Greats magazine. If I did an illustration, do you think we could get him to sign a couple?" And, and he said, "Sure." Well, six months go by, so I had done the two different. I did a watercolor painting and and a pencil drawing, and we made some just two reproductions a piece, and and one for his son, one for my son, and and then I figured the Gregs could keep the original artwork, and and uh, so six months go by, you know, he comes back in for a checkup, loves the artwork, and he said, yeah, he'd be he'd love to to uh, be interviewed. So I'm thinking, oh, this is great. I called and and had a chance to talk with him, ask him, you know, a bunch of questions, and. And just a, a very, very gracious man. And, and that one thing led to another. And I was headed to Colorado, and they said, why don't you just come over? And are you kidding? You know, a chance to get to go over? And, and so my son and I, you know, he was 12 at the time. He didn't care about being there. and and uh, But it really worked it well as an icebreaker because it's not so much of a formal, quote, interview, unquote, at, at that point. And, and we're just kind of having a conversation. They're talking to him. I'm asking Coach coach questions and it's just been uh a really unbelievable because i've been invited back continually and, and we're friends now so it's kind of like you just go on you go home you see your friends and they're part of the friends that i see and and it, it's very surreal when they start oh you know we talked to bart and sherry the other day and in your head you're going they mean bart star you know and as a matter of mm-hmm. fact i was there I've, I've been so fortunate the last two years I've gone back and I've watched the Super Bowl with them. And the first year was number 50. And I'm thinking, well, this is the 50th anniversary of, you know, when they played in the first game out in the Rose Bowl. And, and I, I want to be there. And and uh, so, sure, come on out. Well, that week um, they did the 50th anniversary all-time Super Bowl team. And, you know, I was already going, well, Coach Greg was the – only player from the '60s that was on, you know, as a right tackle, and and Emmitt Smith was mm-hmm. on, and all you know, all the the greatest players of all time that played in the Super Bowl, and of course, Coach Greg was was at right tackle. So I baked in this cake and made it into the shape of a jersey and put his number and stuff on. And we sat and watched the game, and I'm they introduced the players in the beginning, you know, and they showed the MVPs from all the Super Bowls, and of course, Bart Starr was the MVP of the first two Super Bowls, and. He said, "Oh, there's Bart, you know." And he's just, and it's. I'm sitting there thinking, I'm sitting with one of the greatest football players that's ever played, and <laughs> he's, he's pointing at his teammate. Well, there's Bart, you know. And it's kind of like just a nod to to the history, and it's very, um, it, it, it's unbelievably cool. They're such great people. And the last time I was there, here's here's what I mean. It's surreal. Um, I'm I'm sitting next to Barbara, coach's wife, and. And the phone rings, 
and she hands it. She goes, oh, it's Willie. And I just happened to glance over, and the, the screen says Willie Davis on it. And she hands it the phone. And in my mind, I'm like, that's Willie Davis on the phone. You know, but um, just it's been so amazing just to be in their company. And, you know, I was with them uh, again this winter, and, and we were out someplace, and, and somebody had said, oh, so you played football. And he just, he's, oh, yeah, you know, played for the Packers. And, and I was standing next to this, this uh, other server, and she goes, was was he good? And I just looked at her and I went, well, you know, everybody in the NFL is good. And I said, and then some careers are great. And mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. careers are hall, are hall of Fame careers. And I said, and then oh, those Hall of Fame players, you have just a select few that are legends. This man was a legend. And he just really mm-hmm. was that good. And it's like, yeah, he was, he was that good. So I um, did want to uh, tell you this story. Um, I asked him, and we haven't haven't written about this one, but uh, in the first time I was there, I said, Coach, you know, it's kind of interesting with Coach Greg because he had played and had a Hall of Fame career of 16 years, and then he coached for a, a number of years. And so he's really seen that, that side of the game for 70 years or, or so, you know, from, from the 50s all, all the way to the present. And so I said, Coach, I want to ask you something. I said, if you were starting an organization – and you could select anybody as the cornerstone on which you're going to build your team. And we're talking for 60, 65, 70 years of football. I said, who would you like? Because you say Mean Joe Green, and I'd be all, it's a great pick, you know. Right. And he thought for a second, and he said, you know what, Jared, I think Vince Lombardi. And I'll tell right. you, now, I know you're a Packer fan, and so that, that resonates with you, but I, for a second I was like, that's a homer answer. And I was kind of disappointed. And then I went and I I thought about it. And what mm-hmm. he was saying was not that, that I'm just picking my coach because he was my coach. Cause what he was saying was, Jared, his name would be on the trophy no matter where he coached. If he had been a, you know, a cowboy, the cowboys would have had the success that we had in Green Bay. If he had been in Cleveland, same thing, or Pittsburgh or, or St. Louis or, or wherever, right, that team right. would have been that successful. And right. he's saying that right. I was just fortunate to have been in Green Bay, and he was in Green Bay, and and I start with him. So after I considered what his answer meant, I was like, wow, that is, yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that's amazing. All right, I I got to move along here because our our guest is is called in, and I'd like to introduce okay. him at this time. Our guest tonight is a collector of vintage football programs from the 1920s. He was our super collector in Great Iron Great Spring 2016 issue. And at this time, I would like to welcome Mr. Jeff Coggin to our show. Jeff, welcome to the show. Hi, Bob. How you doing, Bob? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for calling in. Welcome, Jeff. We have, sure. we have our guest co-host, Jared Kraus, uh, who's our illustrator, who's going to be with us. And I'd like to start off by asking you, Jeff, you, you got an incredible collection of, of vintage oh, football you. programs. Can you give us some background on how you became interested in collecting vintage football programs from the 1920s? Well, I, you know, from a young age, I just, um, I, I used to like reading books and um, I ended up with um, an old nine, I think it was late seventies. I think it was 78. I ended up getting the um, football encyclopedia and I just started reading through it and looking at the beginning of the NFL and APFA, you know, 1920 and, and 
I don't know, it caught my interest from a young age. Um, and it just kind of went from there. Um, I, I collected baseball stuff too for a while and just kind of gravitated towards, towards the football. Um, you know, growing up, I, I was a Patriot fan in the seventies, which, you know, that wasn't, wasn't, didn't work out too well for us, but, um, so How's that work out now? what I, I, How's that work that, I got it now. Yeah. Oh, it's it's good. Thanks. <laughs> no complaints. What, what I, I, um, I tell the I tell the story all the time. Back in the mid seventies, actually nineteen seventy six, uh, my buddy, I, I grew up in North Brantford, Connecticut, so it was about a mm-hmm. roughly two and a half hour ride up to Foxborough. My, my mom would make us a couple sandwiches, and we drive up the day of the game and just walk up there, walk up to the ticket window, and buy a ticket. And oh, yeah. you know, sit anywhere in the stadium because there was literally plenty of seats available, and it was all the at that time Foxborough was just the benches. There was no seats unless you had right. real uh, low low seats there. So right. kind of funny because right. uh, it, it was it was just classic Patriots football of the seventies, and then it was always like two and a half hours to get out of there. So we'd just sit in the stadium. Uh. And see if there was any yeah. like coins on the on the ground to pick them up and uh, bring them home type of thing and whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, 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 it was. Um, I used to go with my dad a lot, and um, yeah, I mean, like you said, you could walk in there, and even in college, I, I went to school in Boston, and um, we would go down there. I had a bunch of my friends were from D.C., and at the time, the skins were very good, in you know, in the '80s, and. Um, we went down one day, and the same thing you just said. We walked in the day of the game. It was a, it's a downpour. Um, must have been ten thousand people there, and they were all Redskins fans. And we sat second row, right behind the Patriots bench, and that's just how it was, you know. But um, yep. things have yep. turned, yep. And, and I'm going to enjoy it while we can because uh, Brady's on the clock, you know. He <laughs> really. Is. So I mean, that was basically, you know, to get back to the collection. Um, I always liked football. My stepdad was from Baltimore, so of course I, I heard all the stories about when he was a kid. You know, the Colts in the late '50s with Unitas and Berry and um, that whole thing. And then, you know, they were pretty good there in the mid '70s um, with Lydell Mitchell and um, Burt Jones. Um, so, so you know, it was always around, and and it just kind of progressed. And then the, the, these large auctions started to become popular. You know. Um, Mastro mm-hmm. and Steinbeck, you know, back in whatever that was, 93, 94 era. And I just started getting the auction mm-hmm. catalogs and slowly started to, you know, see what I could get. Um, and, you know, finances always played a part back when I was younger. And then, um, you know, so I, I think most of the collections put, I, I put it together in probably the last 10 years. Wow. To be honest with you. Wow. Yeah. Jim, wow. yeah. And, give us and, an idea. If you if you would Jeff, give us an idea of, of what you got for the people that that don't have the the magazine handy, you know, programs from the twenties. Tell us, oh, I've got the you know Spartans or I've yeah, got the, um, you know, give us an idea of, of kind of what you're talking about. Sure, sure, yeah, I, I've got um, you know, I got a couple, I got a one or two programs from the American Football League. You know, the, the league Grange started with um, with CC Pyle there in '26, but um. You know, I have a couple from the early 30s, but, you know, I, I really gravitate towards the, you know, the defunct teams that are no no longer around. Um, you know, I have um, 
like a Buffalo All-Americans home program against Akron from 21. Um, that's one of my that, that's one of my favorite ones. Um, you know, I have a Dayton Triangle program, um, Akron, um, a lot of the defunct teams, and that you know versus you know maybe I have some giant programs, but and Green Bay, but I kind of tend to go towards the more defunct teams. Um, but I, I've got a I, I bought a I bought a scrapbook from a guy about five years ago, and um, it had all cut out like newspaper clippings from games in 1920, and this is probably one of my favorite things. But um, so glued inside the inside the scrapbook was probably like a four by six index card size. Was um, and it's a 1920. Um, um, Chicago, well, it says Racine, so Racine Cardinals at Rock Island, which it's a program from the basically the first year of um, of the league. And um, wow. that's, yeah, that was in this scrapbook, and I had it professionally removed. There's a guy in Boston that does, it, does the work. And so, you know, I've got that. Um, I, I have all kinds of, you know, not all kinds, but I, I've got a good amount. And it seems like, you know, pre-20, Five are the tough ones to get. You, you don't see as many of those, you know. Mm-hmm. You see a lot. You see a lot more late twenties, obviously, um, as as the league started to gain momentum and things after Grange and stuff like that, and more people went. So a lot of these earlier programs, I think, I mean, who, who really kept them? You know, I mean, there might not even have been anybody, you know, at the game. You might have had a couple of thousand people at some of these games. You know, you're absolutely so. right. So and I mean, it's always you know, it's always int- always interesting to see uh, exactly what you said. If you had a game, let's say there was two thousand people, what did they sell? Twenty programs, thirty programs. How many did they actually print? You know, we have no idea. So it, no, that's why I I think collecting this, I I I just think there's there's less of it than maybe if you, somebody wanted to collect baseball programs from you know maybe the nineteenth century. I mean. Maybe that first decade, you know, there wouldn't have been that many people there. But I just think there's just less because there's only how many games did they play? Some, you know, some teams played six games, right. some played 18 games, and it just depended on how they, what they did, the ownership. So, yeah. Um, so, so that's basically it for me. I mean, basically, you know, the defunct teams. Um, you know, um, I, I have one that I think is pretty, pretty amazing. I. I I've never really seen another, um, but I have a um, 23 um, Milwaukee Badgers at, and it says right on the program, Horlick Racing Legion, which I think is pretty pretty amazing. Wow. That's just one of my wow. favorite ones, yeah. Yeah, that's one wow. of my favorite ones. What, I'm, I'm curious, what's your oldest football program that you actually own? The oldest one I have, because I, I, I really don't collect any college um, or, or anything pre-1920, so it's that 1920 Rock Island program. Okay. You know, I just I, – I, I needed to set my some boundaries on, you know, what I wanted to collect because um, I, I can't be all over the board because then I, right. I, I need right. to focus in, you know – I. I do the best I, think, I can buying things, you know. 
I think with with the type of collection that you actually have, I think that was probably the best thing you could ever have done is really just focus on if you're actually your start date is nineteen twenty to nineteen twenty nine that's it you know what i mean and if and or yeah. if you're just doing defunct teams, then you look for those and that's it so I think that's a very very smart collecting choice to say the least. I know yeah. too many people who who start collecting something and then they're every which way. And then they end up like me, having you know a little of a little from a lot of different errors, and not a lot from any one error type of thing. So it's, right. it's kind of interesting, you know. Yeah, no, I, I know what you're saying. Because um, when I I was collecting baseball stuff, um, mainly when I got out of college in '92, when those big auctions started. I mean, I bought a little football, but it was mainly Boston Braves. Um, you know, um, just pick, I, you know, I don't want to go into baseball on you here, but that that's where I was. And, and then it started, it was Boston Braves. Then it was Federal League, 1914 and 15. And I was all over the board, like you just said. And that, that mm-hmm. that's, just didn't work for me. So, you know, it's 1920s. I, I have gone into the early 30s. I got about a half dozen programs. But, again, it's all those defunct teams, you know, Providence Steamroller, um, you know, a couple of Staten Island programs, um, a Cincinnati mm-hmm. Reds program from, I think it's 33, um, mm-hmm. a Portsmouth program. So, you know, but, but mainly, you know, 90, 95% of it is, is, is the 20s. And it's mm-hmm. not just programs either. I have more than that, too. Um, I have ticket stubs. Um, I, I, I really enjoy panorama panoramic photos. You know, I've got I've mm-hmm. got um, five or six beautiful photos in my office. Um, so, but you know, it it, it, it it's more you know it, it's the programs is number one, but then it's memorabilia too. It's the ticket stubs. It's mm-hmm. um, some pocket schedules. I, um, I have a re- I have a really cool sideline badge for um, a game in twenty. I think it was twenty six. Um, mm-hmm. The 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 Brook Lion Horsemen we're playing um, the New York Giants, which that's pretty unique, obviously. So, um, Very cool. You know, it, it is. Yeah, it is cool. Very cool. Well, I'd, what's I'd, love to show, I'd love to show you the photos. You guys enjoy this, and none of my friends do, and it's. I, I'm glad you asked me to come on today because I can't talk to anybody about this. No one cares. <laughs> no, they never heard of the Frankfurt Yellow Jackets. How could they not know about them? Yeah. I, I, I know. Come on, right? <laughs> What's that? Maroons, what's that? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What's yeah. the the piece de resistance, if you will, pardon my French, um, <laughs> either do you have it or, or, or are you looking for it or what is, you know, on, on, on your radar that this is the thing, this is the, man, if I could just have, get that program or I finally got that program or what is, what is that piece for you, Jeff? You know, that's, that's a good question, but it, it's also a tough question because, you know, with this hobby, you never know what's what's going to come up, you know? So I don't have a program, you know, this might sound crazy, but I mean, I don't have a program and I don't know if anybody does. I haven't seen any, but there could be some. I, has anybody ever seen a home Rochester Jefferson program? That's a tough one. That would be something. That's a tough yeah, one. Yeah, that would be something I would like to get. Um I've never seen one. Usually, you see them. You know, they're, they're, they're the, the the road team. So, I don't know. I mean, um, maybe an old, just 
I have a Columbus program from uh, I think it's I think it's a twenty three. Um, yeah, the Tigers, right? Exactly. Uh, I don't know. To answer your question, I just think it would just be something that would blow me away. That maybe I open an auction catalog or I go on eBay and wow, look at that, you know. And okay, of course, it has to be in my price range, but you know, but it's hard to say. You know, Bob, it's real hard to say. It's real hard to say. Um, okay. You know, maybe maybe a panorama of of one of those teams, like a Providence Steamroller, or you know, um, something like that. I mean. It's real hard to say. It's real hard to say. And those old photos are becoming more and more difficult, in my opinion, to find anywhere, especially original ones. Mm. And B, the mm-hmm. history behind those photos is just incredible. I mean, the the you know, to just think about how well they were done and how beautiful they look. You know, in comparison to let's say you know, classic eight by ten glossy team photo or whatever, it's just amazing to see. And then the other area which is becoming more and more rare in my opinion are any type of game photos that are actually taken for like AP or UPI uh, because a lot of newspapers have unloaded their entire photograph um, negative and and, uh, still collections. They're getting rid of them. And uh, those are tough to find now at the same time. I mean, you can still find some of these in the 80s. They're out there. But anything to me pre- World War Two is brutal to find and very expensive at the same time. So the, yeah, those are uh, classic. Anything, any, anything that you have in that area, in my opinion, is just uh, is just so classic, uh, historical vintage football. It's just it's just uh, mind-boggling to me. And then just a quick comment on on the ticket stubs. A lot of individuals don't realize that ticket stubs, to me, again pre World War Two, are very very rare because a lot of those programs and ticket stubs went into the uh, paper war drive during World War Two. So yep. a lot of that stuff got used used up. Mm. So anything to me that's, that's still still saved is just amazing to me. And again, think about it. You got a program that's almost a hundred years old and it's probably very sturdy and uh it might have some toning on it, you know, yellowing or whatever. But other than that, that paper will last uh, you know, a couple thousand years type of thing. It's amazing. Oh, absolutely. Really. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. I, I that that's that's a good thought. I, I forgot all about that to be honest with you. But yeah, during the war, that's that's right. Yeah. So I mean, right. you don't see them too much. Well, it, you kind of hit on the head, the nail on the head earlier when you said, "Well, how many people were going to the games?" It's you know the Pottsville Maroons and the Columbus Tigers in 1925. How many people went to that game? Bought the program, right. Right. kept the program, and, and now we're talking almost 100 years later still have it, you know, where you could find it. And, and I think, you you know, when you said some teams played six games, some teams played nine games, it's not like right. baseball where they're playing 154 games. So you can find a program from that season. With, with the football teams, you're absolutely right. I think there is a, a scarcity that was built in before they became collectibles and uh, makes it makes it very interesting to know that somebody's out there that's putting this collection together. I, I salute you for that, Jeff. No, thank you. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I, you know, I, you look at these auction catalogs and, you, you know, I, I, I set, I set like eBay alerts for different things, which you you, ne- you just never get alerted because you just never see, you never see a ticket stub or, 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 or even an old pocket schedule from, you know, you see them, but they're, they're very, very rare, you know? Um, right. Or, I mean, I, 
I, you know, my, the, the, I have two, two tickets. I, I have about 15 of them, but I have two from uh, 21. And one of them is a Cleveland Tigers um, ticket stub. And wow. that's the, I, I think Falk was the coach. He played for them and he was the coach that year, I believe. Again, I don't have my notes in front of me, but, um, you know, that, I don't know who they're playing because it doesn't, st- it, it, PSA encapsulated it, but you don't know what game it is. So it could be any of the games from the, that year. But, um, mm-hmm. and the other one I have, which is pretty amazing, um, and I don't want to sound, you know, to talk up my collection. I don't, I don't mean to do that, but I just think <laughs> it's pretty it amazing. <laughs> no, is um, I, I have a, it's from December of 21. It's um, when Canton played um, the Union Quakers of Philadelphia. I, I think the game was, um, I don't know if it was, uh, it wasn't Baker Bowl. I think it was Shad Park. That that's a that's a pretty awesome ticket stuff too. You know. Mm-hmm. Wow. I don't know. It's a mix. Yeah, and I've got amazing. Uh, I think you have to remember, too, that that football at that time, professional football, was nothing compared to the college game where, you know, Michigan or the Rose Bowl or whatever would would sell 60,000 seats and can fill it. And you're getting 2,000 at a professional game. Guys are playing for 100 bucks a week, and and they've got jobs, and and it's a whole different – it wasn't like baseball where they're filling Yankee Stadium to watch – watch the Yankees well when you're not in the 20s or filling the polo grounds to to watch the Giants play, but – totally different and and so a truly scarce collectible that I, I i don't think we can can uh, say enough that uh, i'm i'm very very glad that you that you're putting this together and finding the stuff and, and able to do it so because yeah, you're truly preserving you're you're truly preserving the the early history of the game which is in a lot of cases lost uh, i'm wondering do you have any memorable collecting experiences you'd like to share with our audience um, you know, I mean, I really haven't, um, like maybe like you mean meeting like players or anything like that. Like, um, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've gone to a couple of the nationals, you know, over the years, which, um, I always enjoyed. And, um, I, well, my daughter was born in 08, so I haven't gone to one since, um, 06. So I guess I, I, I'm due, but, um, I don't know. I've gone to the nationals. That was enjoyable. I've met a lot of people. Um, I've connected with a lot of people just from, you know, eBay and just, you know, sellers and different people and different talk, you know, boards that you can get on. Um, And, you know, it's like a a family and there's not many of us. So it's great to, like, I could talk to you guys for the rest of the night. I mean, really, you know, I mean... I have people like that. I they they call me and we we talk for you know a couple of hours just about stuff like this today. So I don't, I don't really have any memorable experiences um, other than just the people that, that I've connected with. Um, and you know I was obviously I, I I keep things quiet. I mean, and then you know you asked me to be in the magazine you know last spring, which was was nice, but not many people. I don't really tell too many people that I collect because nobody around here, you know, has an interest in it. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> I don't know. Tell us, where, the scrapbook that you got, tell us how that originated and, and where that came from. Um, oh, the scrapbook? That yeah, was, um, yeah, I have to think. I, I got that, um, I think I got it on eBay a while ago, and I just happened to see it, and it had, you know, cut out, 
you know, when you used to, as a kid, you'd do a scrapbook. You'd, you'd, you'd read the box score and you'd cut it out. And I still have the scrapbook. Um, it's in the safe. But, um, yeah, it was, everything was cut out. It was like, you know, Canton against Akron. And there it was um, in a little write-up. And it must have been 15, 16 pages of a scrapbook. And the thing that caught mm-hmm. my eye was this red postcard with the lineups of the two teams. And the individual that sold it, you know, I don't think knew obviously. Um, and, and then I got it and I did the research. That, that's another thing I enjoy is Google's great. I, I Google everything and try to get as much history as I can. There were a couple of players that were listed on that 1920 program um, for Rock Island that I couldn't make head, head nor tails of it. So there's a guy that has a website, um, Rock Island Independence, and I emailed him and he sent me a couple of um, articles from a newspaper. I, I don't know. It might have been the Rock Island newspaper from before the game, and it explained those two players. And, you know, they never actually played, but they brought them in for whatever reason. So, you know, just doing the research like that, you know, is another thing. And I got the scrapbook, did the research, and I, I – I, thought I knew what I had and I wasn't sure. I'm like, well, maybe this isn't what I think it is. And then all the, it's like putting a, you know, when, when you put a, a puzzle together, all the pieces fit. And then I, I realized what it was, but it was basically just, I, I believe it was eBay. Um, I'm almost, I'm almost positive it was eBay or it was a, a seller from eBay that contacted me that said, Oh, I, I came across this. Are you interested? And, and that's basically what happened with that. Wow. You know, it's, that's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. You know. Um, and again, you you got to go, you got to go back and think how many scrapbooks got that tossed and got recycled over the years too. I mean, so that, yeah. that again is, is an amazing pickup and, and, and history being preserved yeah. with that also. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's really know, amazing. Any, yeah. Thank you. Anytime I look at, um, you know, on eBay, I think I have bookmarked like scrapbooks and I just try to go through the photos and, you know, I've seen some where they've had like some college ticket stubs that are, you know, glued in there. But now this was, this was, I think, a very um, rare, rare to get something like that. Um, have you guys heard of any, like, I, I haven't seen any 1920 programs other than I think there's one that's in a book. I think the NFL put a book out for the 75th anniversary or, or the hall of fame did. And there's, I think there's a program in there. Is it, I think it's the Washington senators, maybe um, okay. football team. Right. But other than, other than that, I haven't seen anything from 1920. How about you guys? I, I honestly, in all the years I've collected, I really have never seen one in person. I've seen, I know there's a couple out there. Uh, don't yeah. ask me who, you know, the teams or whatever, because I, I honestly don't remember. And to me, I really only see, uh, actually have seen in person from like 1925 up, and they're usually at a larger show, like the White Coin Show or in the National. And I vaguely remember a few years back, the National was in Baltimore, and uh, mm-hmm. there was a couple of vintage paper dealers there, and they had some pretty – uh, a pretty good selection of older, not just football, but baseball programs too, and football programs from like the 40s, 30s, and a few from the 20s. But um, hmm. like you're saying, if, if you're going to the National, and I've attended probably the last 
seven or eight nationals now. To me, the real old stuff from the 20s and 30s becomes more and more rare to find, especially from the NFL and or from any of the AFLs either uh, prior to World War II. I mean, the stuff is just not there. I mean, and you just, you don't see it. And I go to a lot of antique shops and a lot of paper shows also. And even at those types of places, um, it's very difficult to find anything pre-World War II for the NFL mm. or the AFLs. So they're they're tough to find. It'll be interesting to see this year. And I don't know if you're going, um, it's out in Rosemont, Chicago again. And uh, yep. it'll be interesting to see see what's out there, if, if any uh, real early programs uh, will be yeah. available right. for sale or ticket stubs or whatever. You know? Right. You know, I haven't gone, it, like I said, I haven't gone since 06, but I, I have some, some of the people I've connected with have gone and, um, last couple of years, they said exactly what you just said. There really was nothing for any real vintage 20s um, football stuff, you know, NFL stuff, right. pro football. So right. it's tightening up, you know. Right. Um, one thing I, I – one trend – I'm sorry, go ahead, Bob. No, I was, I was just going to say, you know, it's interesting because last year was in Atlantic City. I really thought I would see some vintage, um, you know, New York stuff. Uh, from the 20s and 30s, and, and there really was not anything whatsoever. Um, you know, basically looking at post-World War II stuff more than anything else in football. It was very little, with the mm-hmm. exception of, you know, a handful of cards or whatever. But ticket stubs and yeah. the like, I didn't see anything myself. But I, and I was, I got to look at, you know, I got on the floor a few times to, to walk around and see what was there. And there was really not that much there, so. Yeah, that's what I was told, too. You know, you know what I ended up winning last night. I um, just talking about programs. Um, uh, BST had that auction last night, and I was fortunate right. enough to win the first Giants um, home program last night against Frankfurt. Um, wow. Okay. I bid okay. twenty-five. Wow. What? The nineteen twenty-five. Yeah. Giants yeah. Frankfurt. I, yeah. Yeah. Um, I bid very early just to bid because, you know, if you don't bid, you can't bid after, like, 9 o'clock. You know how it is on the auctions. And um, I was going to bed last night. It was, like, 1230. I looked. I couldn't believe how low it was. And I said, well, I'm just going to throw – I'm just going to tap it to the next bid, you know. And I ended, I got the I got the invoice this morning. So I, <laughs> I was thrilled. I, wow. I don't know. I think wow. – I don't know how I, I got it. I think this, you know, Robert Edwards auction just started. And, you know, there's all the, there's a couple other ones going on. So maybe – I don't know. Maybe people were distracted, or maybe no, nobody had an interest in it. So I, I got lucky. Right. <laughs> Great program. Right. So we have we have living proof that living proof of BSD auctions and uh, the ability to win <laughs> yes. oh, God, win some very very. That, sorry. I, I, well, I, and, and, I don't want to promote anybody. Sorry. Well, no, no. They, <laughs> They co-sponsor our show, so I'm happy for you that you want it. So give us oh. a, gives them a oh, good, all right. All right. good plug. So that's great. Go ahead and say it again, Jeff. Go ahead and say BST auctions one more time. Yeah, please. BST auctions. Last night I won. Uh, they're great. <laughs> <laughs> and it's bstauctions.com also. Yeah, there you go. But you you you, so, you kind of led me in that you led me in that direction when you were talking about the Atlantic city national and no New York area stuff. So it, it kind of made me think yeah. about that. Yeah. And, and again, I was very, <laughs> I was very surprised because I, I really thought there would be um, as much as a lot of dealers complained 
Um, you know, we didn't see a lot of dealers that we normally see. And to me, it, it was a golden opportunity to see some real vintage East Coast stuff. I know the, the stuff I brought, um, and I didn't have really super vintage stuff. I had, I had a lot of stuff from the 50s and 60s uh, from the New York area. And I had a couple of collectors, you know, pick up some, some nice pieces there. But I, like I said, and I agree with you, I, I really didn't see anything whatsoever uh, from pre-World yeah. War II there. So it's pretty interesting. Well, we're almost out of it time. Uh, Jeff, I, I really thank you for being on the show. I appreciate sure. you coming on. Um, thank I, you. You have an incredible collection. Truly amazing oh, you, to, 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 see, to see that stuff. And uh, I was happy you were a super collector. We got some nice comments on your, on your collection. And, again, it's so unique. And it is really the history, the beginning history of, of football, professional football, as far as I'm concerned. And for you to yeah, preserve absolutely. it the way you are, it's 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 just it's just great. So I truly appreciate you being yeah. on the show and and thanks uh, for asking. Hopefully me. we can we can uh, run in uh, to each other at some national or some East Coast show here yeah. and uh, we'll, we'll talk. Yeah. So I would love to. Thank, Thank you very much, you guys. Um, it, it was very very enjoyable. Have a nice rest of the day. Appreciate it. Thanks, okay. Thanks. Okay. Okay. Bye, guys. Thanks. Take care. All right, Jared, it's uh, time for our goal line stance. I'm handing it off oh, to okay. you. We're done. I thought maybe down this was that goal for a two-minute warning or something. Al Cole presents the two-minute. Um, you know, it was, it was nice for him to uh, plug BST auctions. That was great. Uh, my apologies to Squires. I was only able to work uh, Steve Largin in the conversation one time tonight. But uh, very happy with uh, the way things are going with Graham Great. We've got some neat stuff coming up. A um, little sneak preview. I'll, I'll tell you, I haven't, I haven't talked to you, Bob, but uh, Jane was thrilled with being able to work with Bert Jones. And uh, he, he, she called him twice. I think he called her back, and, and they had a real nice conversation. And everybody said, you know, he's such a gentleman and, and really took his time with her and, and really extended uh, a, a warm, warm welcome and a good feel for her and, and uh, so mm-hmm. we will uh, we'll take care of, we'll take care of Bert, but I'm very excited for her to have that opportunity and it's something I think that that we've done with Gridiron Greats that I really have appreciated is giving people a chance to have a voice. You know, Jaden with this article, but particularly with Karen Spihar, Force Greg's daughter, and and I love the work that Don Miller's done for us and Alice in the past and. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just thrilled with, with where we are and, and kind of what looks like uh, we've got coming down the pike. So uh, very, very thankful to be a part of it all. And I think, you know, again, with Gridiron Greats, to me, it's a twofolded uh, quest. It's to preserve the history of the game through the players and, more importantly, the memorabilia of the game, which is, to me, fast, uh, fast being lost in many cases and becoming literally impossible to find in a lot of cases also. And number two, to try to give a voice for the collectors out there who I think have been, uh, you know, kind of been silenced for too many years as far as their collections, what they feel about their collections, what they're collecting, so on and so forth. And again, I, I go back to a time frame and I've written about football history and memorabilia for well over well, going on 28 years now. And um, I go back to 1988, 89, the explosion of football cards. 
And to me, it was just represented a time, yeah, it was great for the hobby, but I always said to myself, there's a lot more to the hobby than just collecting football cards. The hobby has a lot of different things available. You know, we know programs, ticket stubs, pocket schedules, scene photos, helmets, yearbooks, publications, art and soft cover books. I mean, the, the list is literally endless. And there's more to collecting than just football cards. And while football cards are great, and everybody knows I have a big collection of football cards, at the same time, you can't forget all the other areas. And I think they were, the other areas were, were never focused upon, were really never discussed over the years. And uh, I'm kind of glad, you know, with what I've written over the years and the magazine now and my old newsletter, we looked at a lot of different areas that, that people did collect but kind of never got any any uh, discussion on or any any type of recognition for it either, you know, and, that, and yeah. that's important, you know. I really I, I agree that. with you, and, and, and I think it – it really speaks true, particularly today, in that we lost tops. And, you know, we've had discussions about what is Panini going to do since they're the only game in town with football cards to, to continue to keep these guys that have, your whole life you've put your Packer set together. Do you do it anymore? And what what is the one and only card producer going to do to, to keep us? So it's it's good that there are other, other avenues to pursue because – like you, I'm going, well, I don't really care about collecting Panini cards. And I've been a card collector more than most of my life, you know, since I was a little kid. Right. And so right. so having some other, other avenues to pursue uh, to, to fill that void is, is very important. And like you said, a lot of this stuff is not out there in any quantity, and, and uh, we better appreciate it while we can. Right, right. And especially uh, with Jeff's uh... – collection which uh, was always to me truly incredible and I can I can still remember our initial emails we had about doing the super collector pieces that I, I was just floored when he told me what he actually had and again you know it's it's not a it's not a quantity type of collection it's a quality type of collection and uh, and you know like I I always tell people what what's your favorite or do you have a favorite error is there something really really special to you that you really want to pursue, that's where you should collect. And that that's what you should collect. You know, anybody should collect at the same time. And that's very important yeah. as far as I'm concerned. So yeah, do it because you love that, it. Not because, that was always important. I, I think, well, as, yeah. when I was behind, behind the counter as a, as a dealer, I always tried to stress, you know, collect what you love because of because you love it. And if it goes up in value, great, right. but if it goes down in value, you still love it. So make sure that you you know, that's first and foremost because there are no guarantees with <laughs> with returns on investment. Right. But uh, but yeah, right. it's it's important right. to love what you do and I hope the people that are doing it have that in mind because it is a great right. amount of fun and you're going to meet some great great people. So Right. right. Well, we're almost out of time, Jared. I really thank you very much for filling in today. It was a, it was great talking to you. We had a great guest here tonight. It was very very informative. Yes. We learned a lot. And uh, again, I want to remind our audience that we're sponsored by MSB Sports Cards. Please check out their website for vintage football cards and memorabilia. MSBSportsCards.com, and also by as we have living proof today. BST Auctions, check out their website, bstauctions.com. Real quick, do you know when the next uh, their next auction's coming up? Won't be till fall. Sometime okay. I want to say fall. probably in October, but it uh, won't be till fall. Okay. 
But we'll have some more of that great Mike Blaisdell stuff. So stay tuned, football collectors, because there's more great stuff on the way. Correct, correct. Okay, we're out of time. I'd like to thank our audience for listening. And, again, if you don't subscribe to Gridiron Greats Magazine, please check out our website, gridirongreatsmagazine.com, for information for back issues and for current subscription. Jared, thanks for being on. Thank you for Thanks listening, for having me, Captain. And we'll be back second show later in the month. Thanks for listening. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.